Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, it's the morning time. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. There we go. What a, what a privilege and an honor it is to be here with my Orangewood family. I think I've probably graduated um, because normally I'm here on the 4th of July weekend, so now I'm here on Memorial <laughs> Day weekend. Some folks who will come in July might get a surprise. Uh, but what an honor it is to be here uh, with you all. Let me just pray for us. Father, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to speak on your behalf again to this great congregation here at Orangewood. Lord, let the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Help us to have ears to hear what your spirit is going to say unto the church today. But my prayer is that we won't be hearers only, but doers of your word. Help us to hide this word in our heart so that we won't sin against you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Bring you greetings as one of the pastors at the Kingdom Church here in Orlando. Uh, our senior leader is Pastor David Jacques, and I get to serve on that team of leaders there. And it's just good to uh, be able to get away some time and come visit other members of the body. I'm certainly grateful to have my good thing with me of almost 30 years. See, y'all don't know nothing about that, do y'all? Good thing. Maybe you do, or maybe you don't. My wife, April, would you clap your hands for her? I'm going to clap if nobody else does. When you raise six children and have five grandchildren, she should be clapped. I should clap my hands for her all day, every day. Amen. And what a privilege it is to be here with this great congregation of 41 years, 29 years in this place church that has graduated about 1,300 people from your school, a church that has planted out four daughter churches that are thriving in this city. You guys are a great congregation, whether you know it or not, and we certainly honor your founding pastor, uh, Pastor Green, amen, and my brother and friend, Jeff, who is not here. Why don't you clap your hands for these leaders that God has placed before you. To all of the pastors and the elders and the deacons who serve here in the Lord's church, we honor you on today. Today, the title of my message is Black But Beautiful. Now, I could be talking about me because we'll see where this message leads us. Y'all know me. I'm always getting in trouble. It was back in March when the Lord gave me this message. And actually, Jeff and I went out to lunch right about that time. And I told him, I said, Jeff, I don't know when you have me coming this year, but the Lord has already given me the message. And it wasn't going to be this title. It was going to be a title from one of James Brown's songs. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Some of y'all don't remember that. That's one of them 60 songs. And if you were to YouTube that, that song, James Brown, Black and I'm Proud, he's wearing a blue shirt and he's singing that song in the midst of a bunch of white people. And the way he was standing, 
I declare he looked like he's going to need a chiropractor when he's done. He was like, I'm black and I'm proud. I was looking at all the white people as he was singing that. And they looked a little uncomfortable singing the black part. I thought that was interesting that he would make his video for that song in the midst of that group of people. But it was an amazing thing because that song was written at a time where racial tension was at its height uh, here in America. But as I was reading the story in the scriptures, I was moved to title it something different. So let us go to Song of Songs, otherwise known as Song of Solomon, first chapter, starting at the fifth verse. And it reads, I am black, but lovely, meaning beautiful. O daughters of Jerusalem. Like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am swarthy. For the sun has burned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me caretaker of the vineyards. But I have not taken care of my own vineyard. Tell me, O you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? Where do you make it lie down at noon? For why should I be like one of the veils, one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? If you yourself do not know, most beautiful among women, go forth on the trail of the flock and pasture your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. To me, my darling, you are like my mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. Well, Solomon got some lines for you, don't he? (laughs) Brothers, we can learn a few things from Solomon. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of beads. We will make your ornaments of gold with beads of silver. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. This book, the Song of Solomon, at one time it was in jeopardy of not being placed in the canon of scripture. And the reason is because the patriarchs of old thought this book had too much sensual language, too much allegory to be considered scripture. But God in his divine wisdom saw fit to make sure that the Song of Solomon would be placed in the canon of scripture. Typically, as you read this book in all of its eight chapters, it is allegorical and it's typical of God and his relationship with Israel. Um... Many people see it as a book for husbands and wives, which there's a lot of principles. In fact, when I'm doing premarital or postmarital counseling, 
Sometimes I'll go to Song of Solomon because there's a few places in there. Man, when you get through reading, you just want to go get a room. (laughs) Yes, sir. So it's typical of a husband and wife relationship, but it later became a book that describes the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. So in this text, let me just say this. Black does not mean race or ethnicity. Let's get that straight right now. But it's a representation of our soul's condition, which results from sin, suffering, and life situations. Black is allegorical here for the inherent sinful condition of our humanity. So, once you put your seatbelts on, for all my right brothers and sisters in here, I got a word for you. You were all born black. So, when you go home and somebody asks you about the message, what y'all learn to do? Well, I learned we were born black. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to deal with that. For all the black folks in here, you was born more black. you blacker than you thought you was. So when you, as we look at this word, as we look at the scriptures here, all being born black, I want you to let that sink in. The woman in this story represents the church. I don't want to go back to the second through the fourth verse, as we see what her focus was before she says, I am black, but beautiful. She says, may he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is better than wine. Wow. Your name is like purified oil. Draw me after you and let us run together. The king has brought me into his chambers. Your love is more than wine. Wine is a symbol of joy and happiness. In other words, he said, just being with you is all I need. Just being with you makes me happy. Your love is more than wine. So after she focuses on her husband, and the husband in this case, this is a Gentile Shunammite woman which is awesome because the, the bride of Christ is by and large made up this, of this Gentile bride. And though there are a number of Jewish people that are part of the body of Christ, by and large, it is a Gentile bride. And Solomon, in this case, is typical or allegorical of Christ. So she focuses on him, your name, something about your name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. It's something about the name of Jesus. Call on his name and you shall be saved. It's something about the name of Jesus. Demons tremble at the sound of that name. Evil spirits tremble at the sound of the name of Jesus. Jesus 
is, is, is a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory and honor of the Father. Your name is precious all. Your name is powerful. But then she starts focusing on herself and says, I am black, but I'm lovely. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. And then she says, don't look at me because of my darkness. For the sun has burned me, my mother's sons. She didn't say her brothers. You know, you, you got issues with your siblings when you don't call them your brother. My mother's sons, right? They were angry with me. They made me caretaker of the vineyard. They sent me outside, but I have not taken care of my own vineyard. I've been so busy taking care of other people and other folks' stuff that I couldn't take care of my own self. I got issues. And she calls and she, she, she likens herself as the tents of Kedar. And you got to understand, let me just talk about the tents of Kedar. The tents of Kedar were black tents made from goat skins. They were rough. They were smelly. They were gritty. And these were the tents that these Bedouin uh, shepherds, these nomad shepherds, these uh, these Bedouin shepherds in the Middle East would use to uh, stay in or live in while they were out there under the sun. And so she likened herself as these ugly, smelly, gritty tents of Kadar. But then she says, but I'm lovely like the tent of Solomon. The tents of Kedar represents our sinful nature that we were all born with. We were all born rough and smelly. We were all born with a disease called sin. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. You were born with issues. You were born a little crazy. You you were born to, to, to have all kinds of issues. Don't get it twisted. Now, I know y'all looking good and smelling good now, but when you get by yourself, some of y'all are just crazy. Right? All of us got to look craziness in us. Mm-hmm. We sit next to our spouses in church, but when we get home, sometimes it's World War Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven, Eight, Nine, and 10. Right? We were born black. We were all born with this blackness that is allegorical of the diseased condition of our souls. You know, let me just parenthetically insert something here. And and this is the issue I have with my fellow black brothers and sisters because there has been so much disparity in our life and in our country and our nation there's, there's been, there's always this move to try to find 
blackness or the black story within the Bible. So when we get the Song of Solomon, as well as other places in scripture, say, I am black. See, there's a black person in scripture. See, we are in the story. Really? If you really understand all of the story, we've been there since Genesis all the way to Revelation. It is not about color. It's not about ethnicity. It's not about that. And, and I know sometimes, you know, they can get caught up in the story where why does black always have to mean negative? No, it don't. Ask a CPA. <laughs> Ask the president of an organization, what do you want to operate in? Come on, say it now. Say it loud. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Come on now. We want to operate in the black, right? Well, you shop on Friday after Thanksgiving. They don't call it White Friday. Come on now. (laughs) Call it Black Friday because that's the day most businesses move into the black because of all the sales. And when a farmer sees black clouds coming, he's shouting. Why? Because that means what? Rain coming, baby. So black... Don't always have the negative connotation. But in this story, in this part of scripture, black is simply allegorical of the diseased condition of our souls. And we're white in here. We're black in here. We're Hispanic in here. We may be from other parts of the world, but we were all born black. And we were all in need of another color. Because when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, we get covered in red. And so all of us need red anyway. Oh, I feel like preaching. Y'all going to help me here? Let me me get back to my story because y'all are ready for me to end already. Life happens to all of us. And when the woman said, my mother's sons made me go out and work outside and I was subject to the elements. And and so in her blackness, she was basically saying, I became blacker because of the elements that I was exposed to. Let me tell you something. We were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but all of us can become blacker when we go through life, trials, tribulations, and situations. When we go through hurts, when you lose a job, when your spouse walk out on you, when you lose your marriage, when you, when you lose stuff, when you experience death, when you're dealing with all kinds of struggles and all of us have struggles we deal with. Maybe it's lust. Maybe some of us struggle with LGBTQ issues and we seem to want to just separate them from everybody else as though they have some kind of leprosy. The reality of it is we all struggle with something and we were all born in sin. We, We may sin differently, but we were all born in sin and we were all, we are all in need of the grace of God. And we cannot afford to look down on anybody or their struggle. And so the elements of life, as the woman is outside being affected physically, we are all affected. We're, we're all affected. Go to the doctor, 
doctor gives you some kind of message, it affects you. It, it, it can cause some more blackening in your life because anything that takes you away from you seeing yourself the way God sees you, you are blackening yourself. And it's amazing how the woman in this story is not really focusing on how her husband sees her. She sees herself so differently than her husband sees her. Life happens. We're all struggling. But guess what? There is hope. Everybody say with me. Say, there is hope. Because we, we, dealt, we just dealt with the curtains of Kadar, the tents of Kadar, the rough, the rough blackness of our life. But then she talked about the, the, the curtain of Solomon in verse 5. Wow. And when Solomon, his name means peace, by the way, where we get the word shalom, that's where Solomon Solomon's name comes from the word shalom, which means peace. And Jesus is the prince of peace. When peace began to talk, when Solomon began to talk in the eighth verse. Now notice when she spoke, she spoke about her blackness. But when, when, when the husband spoke, when Solomon spoke in the eighth verse, let me see if I can find it. It says, If you yourself do not know most beautiful among women, go forth on the trail of the flock and pasture your goats. My darling, you are like a mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. Brother, where you get them words from? Because those those black mares, those with the shiny, silky black skin and hair, that's what Solomon was thinking about. Yeah, you might have some blackness to you, but I don't see you with the blackness negative. I see you with the blackness of beauty. When he began to speak, he focused not on her failures, not on her blemishes, not on her screw-ups, but on her beauty. Jesus came to take away our blackness, brothers and sisters, in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16, he says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, I'm the worst one of all. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the chief of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Jesus covers our blackness with the redness of his blood and calls us to be beautiful in his sight. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the rightness, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, we were born with this disease. We were born with this blackness, but Jesus came into our blackness to cover us with his redness so that we can eventually have some whiteness. 
which is allegorical of purity and righteousness. As revelations talk about the white robe of righteousness. Hmm. Jesus imputes his nature and character on every believer. You know what the word impute means? It means to credit. Wouldn't it be nice if I told all of you all, get on your cell phones right now, pull up your your bank account, and somehow, by the authority of the Lord Jesus, I miraculously imputed $100,000 into your account. Now, if y'all saw that, y'all would immediately become Pentecostals. Amen. <laughs> y'all boogers would be running around here shouting, and I'd have to get up there and turn, start playing the piano or something. People would be shouting and all kinds of stuff. You say, man, where did this $100,000 come from? Who imputed this to me? Who gave me something I did not deserve? I didn't do nothing for it. I, I didn't even work for it. And it, I just gave it to you. And that's, that's what Jesus did. Brothers and sisters, he just credited us with all of his goodness, with all of his perfection, with all of his glory, with all of his righteousness, with all of his peace, with all of his power, with his presence, with his precepts, with his provisions. God gave it to all of us and we did not do anything to deserve it. Isaiah 61.10 says, I would greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Brothers and sisters, look into the mirror Can you see the beauty of Jesus in your life? If you can't see Jesus, there's a problem. If when you look at yourself, you see blemishes, that's a problem. If you look at yourself and say, I'm I'm not lovable, I'm not fine, I'm not beautiful, that's a problem. You ought to be able to look at yourself. That might be a, a little bit more of you to love than some other folk. But you still, you might have to fit in the mirror. Let me step up a little bit so I can fit in the mirror. But you should see yourself as beautiful. Can you see Christ in your life? But just like the Shunammite woman, we often think about our failures. I'm this. Nobody's going to like me. I failed at being a husband. I failed at being a wife. I failed at being a son. I failed at being a daughter. I failed at being a businessman. I failed at being this, that, or the other. I struggle with lust. I struggle. 
struggle with hatred. I struggle with bigotry. I struggle with racism. I struggle with same-sex attraction. I struggle with loving somebody that's not my spouse. I struggle, God. We all have some blackness. And no person's blackness is more blacker than another person's blackness. We all got it. We all deal with it. Oh, I know we know how to put our game face on because I know how to do it too. Mm Mm-hmm. I've been plenty of times. I've come to a pulpit and preach or stand in front of a class and teach a lesson someplace and people don't know I'm struggling with something. There have been plenty of times I had to wipe the tears from my eyes from crying because of hard trial or tribulation that I was going through. But I had to wipe the tears from my eyes and put my game face on because now they expecting Pastor Allen to bring it. They expect him to teach. They expect him to preach. And they don't know. Yeah, I came in with a bunch of blackness in my heart, a blackness on my mind, blackness in my life, stuff, stuff, stuff. But I put my game face on and preach the gospel and preach Jesus. And then people will come and say, man, that word blessed me. Man, I'm so glad you brought that message. And I remember going into my office and sitting down and getting angry with God and saying, God, How are you going to use me to bless others and you ain't doing nothing for me? I've been there. Then I have to repent. I'm one of those that have to repent a lot of times. Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I'm one of your knuckleheads. But I've been there. When you pray about something, you pray that God will change the situation. Don't seem like God listening when you pray that God would just, you know, heal your relationships or heal a brother or sister or heal someone who has a physical ailment, heal somebody, you know, that could die if they don't get healed. God, I know you got the power. I know you can. I believe that you will. I preach and teach that stuff, God. But when you going to do something for me? I look at everybody. I go to graduations and I see everybody celebrating with their children, how they're graduating, and mine couldn't even finish. Or my child is doing something or doing this or doing that. Their child is going off to school and we raised our children the same. What did I do wrong? What did they do right? God, I am a failure. I have no money. All my money's gone. My my wife left me. My husband walked out on me. God, what did I do? Just black. Just black. The blackness comes and you just feel like you ain't nothing and nobody. That's why people commit suicide. They feel like they have no value. And the people in their life, like the woman in the story, her brothers didn't value her. So 
the people in our lives that are, should be the closest to us, like our moms and our dads and our brothers and our sisters and our, our church members, they don't, they feel like somebody may feel like they're not as valued as they should be. So, you know, why should I live? Why should I keep going? I'm just black. Nobody wants to stare at me. Nobody wants to be with me. Nobody wants to make me their girlfriend or their boyfriend. Nobody will marry me because I'm black. Um, I got issues. I walk with a limp. I got issues. I, I, I have all this stuff going on. But when the master through Solomon started to speak. He said, girl, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me just give you the hood version of the story. <laughs> girl, I don't know what you're talking about. You get you telling me you ain't fine. Girl, you is fine. In fact, if I want you to go and walk by, now let me see what you got back there. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, come on back on over here. That's Jesus to us. Jesus is saying to each one of us, you are fine as long as you come to me. As long as you believe in me. As long as you're willing to marry me and let me cover you with my name. Do you know in scripture, people were not known by their color? By their ethnicity? They were known by the city they lived in or by their father's name. Saul of what? Tarsus. Jesus, thou son of what? David. He shall sit on the throne of his father, David. We serve the God of what? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're known by our fathers. We're known by the city we live in. And Paul gives an allegory in Galatians where he talks about uh, Jerusalem being a city that is representative of the bride of Christ, that the woman of God, the church. So we're known as the new Jerusalem where John would see a city coming down out of heaven called the new Jerusalem. We're known by city and Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It simply means the city of peace. Why? Because we are the people of peace. We are the sons and daughters of peace. That means we should walk in peace and not in trouble and discouragement. Why? Because the peace of God that passes all understanding has permeated our being. And Jesus said, I come that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. When you take on Christ, you should take on the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord and the love of the Lord. And you take on the fruit of God's spirit. Stop looking at yourself like you are a failure. Stop looking at yourself like you're somebody less than the bride of Christ. Because when God speaks about us, he says stuff about you that you ain't willing to say about your own self. Can I tell you something? This is the kind of man that paid close attention to details. If you really read the Song of Solomon, let me tell you something, man. If I want to learn how to rap to my wife, I just need to read the Song of Solomon. Because this man talk about her hair, her eyes, her nose, her cheeks, 
her ears, her, her neck, a few other places she got on the body, her stomach, mm-hmm, talks about places in her body being like a garden enclosed. And, and then she got the nerve to say, come into your garden, baby, and eat of your precious fruit. You come on, enjoy yourself now. Don't you stay on over there now. You come on over here and enjoy yourself. Y'all don't know nothing about that kind of stuff, do you? <laughs> I take the fourth chapter. When, my last week when I do premarital counseling, I go to the Song of Solomon, fourth chapter. I say, now let me just help y'all here when y'all go on your honeymoon. Let me hook y'all up. Because after you read this, you're going to want to hurry up and get married. But when we look at it as Christ and the church, we should have that, Lord, I'm all yours. Come and get it. Eat of your precious fruits. Enjoy your bride. And Jesus looks at us and says that we're beautiful. And let me, let me, just, let me just show you this one scripture I love it. It's in Song of Solomon. If anybody tracking with me, if not, you can write this down. Song of Solomon, the fourth chapter and the seventh verse. He says to her, you are altogether beautiful, my love. Oh, I feel like saying that to my wife. You are altogether beautiful. I better stop before I'm preaching. And it says there is no flaw in you. Ladies, what would happen if your husband just grabbed your arm? Hey, babe, I just want to let you know you're beautiful. Ain't nothing wrong with you. Ain't no spot in you. You ain't got no flaws. And just leave her like that and just let her meditate on it. That's Jesus saying. That's us saying, but Lord, I have sinned. I have prostituted myself. I have had sex out of marriage. I have, I have delved into homosexuality. I have cheated on my taxes. God, I have, I have mis, misappropriated funds at my job. God, I have mistreated my employees. God, I have not honored my mother and my father. God, I'm just so black. It ain't even funny. And then the master says, you are beautiful, my love. There is no spot in you. That's why I love Jesus. Because he took all of my screw-ups. And he hung on the cross. And through the finished work of Jesus, he said it was finished. Finally, let me read this verse. Isaiah 61.3 says, To grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, that we may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. No, I said that was the final verse. This is my final verse. And it's your pastor, Jeff Jakes, some years ago when we were out for lunch, 
I remember him quoting a verse of scripture to me. And when he quoted it, it thundered in my heart. And I have since adopted it as one of my favorites verses of scripture too. It's Hebrews 10, 14. If you've been here any length of time, I'm sure you've heard him say it many times. By one offering, has he perfected forever those who are being sanctified? Do you understand that verse? What does ED at the end of something means? Past tense. By what Jesus did on the cross, he perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You know what I learned, brothers and sisters? I'm as perfect as I'm ever going to be. You perfect? Yeah, I'm perfect. Don't you see it? All this? Come on now. Because my perfection is in him. Just like my wife married me almost 30 years ago, I imputed upon her my name. And so far, by God's grace, I have a good name in this city. Which means when you marry someone with a good name, you take on all that they have. And so when we marry him, he gives us a name. That's why we're called Christians. And so he's saying, I'm perfect. I'm all that. So when you marry me, you become all that. Right? So I have perfected you forever. But then he said, those who are being sanctified. You know what that means? I'm perfect, but I'm still crazy. I'm perfect, but he's still working on me. I'm perfect, but I'm still a work in progress. I call it two pedals on a bicycle. Yeah, I'm perfect, but he's still working on me. And they work hand in hand together. My perfection and my blackness is working hand in hand because my blackness is covered by his perfection. So in closing, I may have been born black, stained with sin. I may have become darker and blacker with my sinful choices. All the situations of life that brought pain and darkness in my life. But Jesus came. So I might be black. But I'm beautiful. You might be black. But if you are a believer in Jesus. You are beautiful. We are all stained with the color of sin. But he restained us. With the color of his blood. And then he covered us. With a robe of righteousness. I'm black. You black. But we're all beautiful. Because of the nature and character of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for. Hmm, how you cover us. How you keep us. How you bless us. With yourself. And thank you for seeing us as spotless. Though we ourselves can count many spots, you refuse to count them because you dealt with all of our spots once and for all at the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where we first saw the light. And the burdens of our heart rolled away. It was there by faith, 
I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.